even though the movie was terrible, I'm surprised. I'm like, I'm still very much high energy, good mood. Hoping everyone else feeling okay too. I think because we were just like shit talking the whole time. Yeah. It's crazy. And we have no popularity to speak of. Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my chocolate factory. And I should warn you that one of us always tells the truth and one of us always lies. No running in the hallway. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Hello and welcome to Fans Labyrinth, the podcast where we talk about your favorite indie movies and genre flicks. My name's Joseph, and I'm here with my two co-hosts, Lydia and Des. Say hey, guys. Hello. Hey, guys. <laughs> oh my God. Dad joke in there. Jesus. Why do I leave? That was yeah, so we... aggressive. That's okay. It's the holidays. I'm sure I deserved it. Joseph has no patience for us. <laughs> Humor is the bane of human existence. That's all I've got to say about that. Okay. Calm down, fucking Nietzsche. <laughs> I don't know what Nietzsche's view on humor was. I bet it wasn't very good. <laughs> I bet he's into I bet he's a funny guy. Funny guy. Well, given yeah, that like the Nietzsche fanatics slowly morphed into like Marcus Aurelius mm-hmm. stoicism fanatics, I just assume Nietzsche was also particularly uptight. Probably, and, honestly. Like How is everyone? I am heavier, full of cheese, <gasps> and tired. Uh-huh. Okay. <gasps> It is. It is. The holidays have just finished, right. and time has lost all meaning. The, the, but the good holiday otherwise. cheese. That's what you're referring to. I'm like, did you just consume a mountain of cheese? Like, like well, you just came from holidays. eating a brick of cheese during the podcast, like mm, while we're watching. I movie. feel like I'm being I'm being red right now, and I'd rather not have the spotlight on me. <laughs> um, I yeah. I'm sure I'm sure we all had a similar experience because most of us have talked to have had my holidays actually went really well, and I was, it was amazing to see people. But of course, it. It, it was just very tricky and stressful because of the the continuing mountingness of the COVID stuff and trying to make good choices during that. But um, yeah, I'm like, like 90% sure at this point that I absolutely had COVID. Really? I may even still currently oh. have COVID. Wow. Uh, but you can't get a test anywhere <clears throat> in Southern yeah. Ontario. So yeah, it's true. I may it's never true. know. But uh, yeah, no, I was so sick. Every mm-hmm. like so many of my friends were sick, um, so we clearly all gave it to each other, which makes it sound like I was going to a bunch of super spreader events. I was not. I have like eight friends total. Yeah, I'm rubbing. Not, not seeing a lot of people. The restrictions <laughs> in our area at the time was up to ten people, so you're well within yeah. the yeah. the rules. So, um, but then like everybody that I saw for like the friends miss thing that I did. Just dropping like fucking flies. Everybody got sick. Everyone's dead. No, they're all still alive. Everybody's fine. Um, we just all got like very, very sick. And at first I was like, oh, I just have like maybe a cold or my parents smoke. And I'm not used to being around like that much nicotine smoke for that long. And I've been staying at their apartment. So I was like, oh, okay. Like it's dry in the apartment. They're smoking a bunch. Maybe that's why I have a scratchy throat. And then the cough started, and then I had a fever, and I was like, oh, no, like, nice. I am nice. legitimately sick. I had a migraine for a few days straight, so that was great. Um, and I just felt like overall shit <laughs> while 
trying to. That's the holidays. Well, yeah, and and I had to cancel like half my plans, so I couldn't see the majority of the people that I wanted to see, which was like such a bummer. I was on vacation, lost basically half my vacation days because yep. I spent them in bed sick. So that really bummed me out. I did get a new apartment, but then I immediately started thinking about all of the stress of moving. Of moving. Hmm. So, you know. It it's, just... it's been a lot. But let me congratulate you on the new apartment. It's awesome. Yeah. It's it's yeah. a big step. But I, I remember being sick right at the beginning of the pandemic. Actually, it was a really bad sickness. I'm not going to say it was COVID, but who knows what it was. And it must have been sad being alone at your place and being sick like that because it's so painful and so hard to do things. And then you're yeah. just alone. It's it's horrible. I I was very lucky that I had roommates that that helped me out for parts of it, which they didn't have to do. Were very kind, but they just saw how how terrible I was feeling, and I was like, I literally can't like get food for myself during like one day of it. I was it was that bad. Yeah, I had a bit of a scare over the holidays, but it turned out to to work out just fine. Mm. Me and my partner had like a good three four days straight of like fairly intimate like small events but events nonetheless and and multiple of them were actually with the same people so, that, so it wasn't like we were like That's bouncing better. between everyone's bubbles but uh i immediately started getting just like <clears throat> like a really weird dry cough and some weird symptoms that were anomalous and just just as like the new uh symptoms seem to be they seem to be like either just cold symptoms or uh unrelated and i hunted for a rapid test hunted called every pharmacy in the city a few outside the city they were booking for february and i had like two days before i could uh, go to these events so i actually went to one of my old workplaces uh and i was like hey you guys have had tons of rapid tests since the start of this can i can i have can i have one and uh i did two they had two separate versions of the, of the test and i did both and came up clean so i oh nice continued my holiday events very lucky. That's good. And it turns out it was it was actually just allergies. One of the cats had. Uh, I've got a cat that likes to void outside a litter box, and it just so happens she did so on top of a vent. Oh. And so, I've been breathing in allergens and cat shit for Jesus uh, for for a, like a full night, what? and That's I was like, exciting. I'm dying. I have a thing. Turns out I don't. Very attractive. Um, yeah, we love her. Her yeah, name is garbage. Definitely. That's amazing. <laughs> Christmas morning I I did one of those stupid like in one of my group chats everyone was just saying like Merry Christmas the regular stuff and there's so many of them and I'm just like no I you know I had to do the joke where it's Happy like Merry well yeah Merry Pagan appropriated zombie <laughs> you know uh, guy demigod and you blah, and you roll dries at me and I'm just like why am I making this stupid joke and then I got like the most likes on my little stupid joke one and all the other Merry Christmas has got nothing. Oh, good. They're 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 validating you. Yeah. I got to teach them something. God. And I was yeah, like, this is really such a 20 year old me joke, but today. like, whatever. We well, now you're here you and we can smack that ego down. Yeah. <laughs> you don't deserve to have this much self-esteem. Now we're lifted the spirits again. But I was going to say, like, I wanted to start with something small. We've already talked about Wheel of Time a million times on the show, but it finished. Yes. And so I just wanted to, I was so disappointed in the ending. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I watched <laughs> so the episode. So I've heard that. I haven't actually finished it yet. Oh, okay. And you're because just, people oh, keep I'm telling so happy me, to hear that. People, all of my friends keep telling me how fucking terrible it is. How, like, the ending is so disappointing. And I'm like, well, now I don't want to fucking watch it's, it. My mm -hmm. position is it's it's not terrible. It's disappointing. 
that's it's just it's just not a good wrap up of a season of a television show is my my main problem mm. it felt like they had so many compounding problems where because that one actor left they had to change a bunch of stuff it's very clear that they had to change a bunch of stuff because a lot of stuff makes no fucking sense and like wait which actor yeah. left um the guy who plays matt the guy with the dagger oh yeah, yeah. It took me a hot. I cared so little for like those <laughs> kids that it took me a hot minute to remember who Matt was. Yeah. Oh. So this is this is really this is really fulfilling for me. Uh, I spent the whole fucking holiday having people just like blowing smoke up my ass, like like, hey, you're like the fantasy guy. You did you watch Wheel of Time? And every time I was just like, no, no, I don't fucking care. Stop telling me about this fucking show. And just hearing that it just it just like shit the bed on the last episode, it just it fulfills me. I read the books. I don't need to watch it. <laughs> I'm glad that they managed to trip and stumble what? somewhere because this... I I don't need it. I don't need a new fucking show. Get oh out of here! Oh my god! <laughs> Why? Like it, it fills me with joy. Valid reason. So, yeah. Stop! Stop rebooting shit. Stop! Uh, stop like transliterating media. It's it's gonna be a reboot. I promise that at some point they're gonna change the story. Just stop transliterating media and into new genres. Just just let things be what they were. Uh, I'm gonna be that asshole. Mm. I'm so glad. God. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not ready sitting for that. there um, wishing I'm like Lord of the Rings had never been made into a movie. You pretentious fucking asshole. Um, I've got some complicated feelings, but actually, yes, that is oh a God. that is a view. Fuck I hold. Fuck you. Okay. Fuck you, you contrarian prick. You don't actually uh, think do that way. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my god, fuck off. Nobody feels that way about <laughs> rings. Yeah. I, oh, I totally. had this thought that I would knit things, try to like match mood to mood, and I'm like, our energy is so chaotic already. I'm just like, there's just no, <laughs> there's just no hope. Just everyone just jump yeah. in with whatever. And we have accept it, bitch. We we didn't say, but so we Every- ended up. It took us four weeks because of holidays and then sicknesses to get this episode. So we have we presumably should or at least in my case i have lots and lots of different stuff i probably won't talk about it all we've already decided to delay a few things for next episode so i uh, i did end up going on a bit of a a little bit of an andrew garfield binge because i did see yes, everybody tips. is everybody's having like an yeah. a moment with andrew garfield and i love that for him <laughs> he has such a beautiful energy I did see uh, Tick Tick Boom, which we talked, but I don't think we, I don't think we've had an episode since. But I said to you, and this was like a month ago now, uh, watching it, and I just, uh, uh, it, it was, it's a, it's a solid movie. For some reason, it just didn't fully reach it there for me. I think we did cover this last episode. Did we then? Okay. No, I we think covered we did, me I... watching it. We didn't cover yeah. Joseph watching it. Oh, and, sorry. Uh, but we did cover it in a series of tweets. But I do agree with you. I mean, it's Lin Manuel Miranda, so there's that. There's there's something very sterile about his content. I always feel that way, which is a good segue into the next thing I want to talk about. Mm. But before we get there, there's there is the whole Lin Manuel thing. Like I just kind of think he's sort of bland and boring. Like he can write decent music. It has his sound, like his very particular kind of like bland sound. But like he writes decent music. But this movie was all the music was written by Jonathan Larson. So it sounds very much like Rent. Like it's got Mm -hmm. Jonathan Larson sound. The character of Jonathan Larson played by Andrew Garfield was really good because it was written by Jonathan Larson. But every other fucking character in there was so two dimensional and bland because Lin-Manuel Miranda is not a great fucking writer. Like he's just not that good. What's the thing that he does? I actually I don't I don't think I've seen anything he's worked on. Hamilton. Didn't touch it. He did Hamilton and he did In the Heights. 
was his recent yeah one. i guess i haven't seen anything he does is he is he a writer or is he like he I, makes I, musicals. I got the impression he was he makes musicals oh so <clears throat> hmm. okay he, so he's like a he's like a polymath right he does like scripting and he also does like composing he's, he, I he's also an actor in a bunch of movies and tv shows okay yeah he's all over the place yeah, yeah. and he also inserts himself in all of his musicals so very you know. very charming i did watch encanto which nice. is i've been hearing a lot about that disney one. Yeah. movie new disney musical uh which was written by lin-manuel miranda <laughs> oh was it oh my god uh, no, no kidding. He's literally yeah. got his thumbprint on everything yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that, which is why I wanted to segue into it, and it's I'm having a hard time with it because it's very charming, and like very like culturally interesting, and like really the animation is truly beautiful. It's like so vibrant. There's so much dynamic color that's used. The songs are fucking boring. Oh. And like I people. That's really damning for a musical guy. Love to suck Lin Manuel Miranda's dick. Most of his shit's fucking boring. Like, it's bland. He does bland-ass musicals. Into the Heights was fucking bland. Tick, Tick, mm. Boom, anything that was written by him and not Jonathan Larson was fucking bland. Like, he's just a shitty writer, man. And that makes me sound like such an asshole because Encanto is, like, conceptually very cool. And it is charming. And the acting is good. Like, it's got some very solid Latino actors in it. But... It's, the music's fucking dull, man. Like there is nothing Does that word mean enough that would like the word means mean singing in, in, in Spanish, right? Encanto? I Encanto? don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I mean it's it's such a bummer because like the concept is cool. It's very like fantastical, it's very sweet, the characters are quite charming, it's super vibrant. I just thought the music was fucking boring. It this isn't like a frozen moment where like everybody's gonna be singing Let It Go from the rooftops. Like that's mm-hmm. not gonna happen with this fucking musical because it's boring as shit. I um I well, I was just thinking because I, I did hear a bunch of other people talk about this. in in the end, yeah, they did say a similar opinion too. They 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 felt very connected to the message, but yeah, I think a lot of people's opinion about the music was kind of like there was one song I really liked and everything else I forgot. Sort yeah, of thing. it's underwhelming. I could I not I tell only, you a um, single song. Uh, and some of the people who were singing were not that great at singing, which is a super weird move. The only thing I know of Lin uh, Lin Manuel Miranda, that's his name, mm-hmm. proper, yeah. right? Uh, is that he was supposed to be part of development for the the Name of the yep. Wind TV series? That's what I know about. Yeah, and yeah, like I, I'm already, I've already washed my hands of of anything that Rothfuss touches, but oh like God. the idea of of it being a musical furthers that i don't think it will be he does stuff other than musicals well clearly he's not getting a very positive uh yeah. spread from us I'm, so i'm not a huge uh, <laughs> lin-manuel like fangirl he got a lot of hype for hamilton because it was so different from like any other musical that had been created because it incorporated rap and hip-hop which had like pretty mm-hmm. much never been yeah done. i heard all about it so that was really cool and it open the door for like a lot more representation in Broadway, which is like had been sorely lacking. Hamilton was original, but it had a very like strong historical basis. Like it, there was a lot of, of content that already existed. It's just all the music was original, which is very difficult and very cool. Um, I'm not going to knock him for that. Uh, And the casting in Hamilton was fucking rad, but he hasn't actually done anything to my knowledge since then. That was, like super original like i guess Encanto kind of is um but even that is like 
a pretty standard, like the structure of the story is very Disney standard. So like there's really not like a lot of exciting movement there outside of the fact that it, it is like really excellent Latina representation um, and is culturally really relevant. So that's super cool. But like the story structure is like very standard Disney into the Heights is like not an exciting foray and tick, tick boom was written by a, I would argue more talented composer, Jonathan Larson. And even Jonathan Larson, like really only ever had rent to his name outside of this one man show. And like rent was huge for the time period, which is why he wanted to do, I think tick, tick boom, Lin-Manuel because a lot of the things that were said about Jonathan Larson at the time when Rent was, you know, premiering were said about Lin-Manuel Miranda when he premiered Hamilton. Mm. Are you are you guys um, big musical heads? Is that like a no. a thing? Uh, I was like, in high school because I was in like vocals. I did musicals. I did musical theater all through like from when I was 12 all the way through high school. I was a big dork. Are, are there a lot of um, are there a lot of people who like write a musical that like explodes who like like have a like a repeat explosion you know what i mean like i I, it's something i have no visibility on and also i'm not certain i want to get into it but uh i would (laughs) say most of most of what's popular is written by like less than 10 people most of what like really gets a lot of acclaim is like you're like oh god what's his name elbaum or whatever frank elbaum or um like sondheim Mm. or like those people there's like the occasional that breaks out um, where the music or the story is not written or composed by somebody who's like already very established in the industry. There's right. the occasional breakout and Lin-Manuel was one of those. Most of the musicals we get now are either uh, retreads of things that were popular 10, 20, 30 years ago. It's like Cats coming back to Broadway or um, Phantom of the Opera coming oh, back God. to Broadway or The Lion King is coming back to Broadway. Uh, most most of what is on Broadway is is stuff that just already existed. And then you have the few breakout hits like the Book of Mormon or uh, Hamilton, which are like new and unestablished creators. Makes sense. Uh, Dust, do you want to jump in with anything? Um, I've watched a few things over the holidays. Unfortunately, some of them are holiday themed. Uh, <laughs> like I, re- I watched um, I rewatched Home Alone, the first mm. one. I also uh, because that movie, alone. it's so tight. That first movie, even the second one, actually, oh, yeah. um, oh, they're, they're both can the exact we, same movie, and they're so good. Can we just have a moment to like, with all his problems and his content on rewatch, John Hughes was a fucking machine when it came to script writing. He wrote Home Alone in under forty fucking days, and the last oh, yeah. third of that movie he wrote in under eight hours, and it is yeah. Well established as like one of the like staple holiday films consistently since then. Like unreal. He wrote Ferris Bueller in under a week. And that's one of his most memorable films. Mm -hmm. The man was exceptionally talented, even if he's got some problematic shit in his films. Like that's unreal. You don't get writers like that and you don't get films that are written by one person. Like that just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I think. I was just thinking about the timing and, and creating art thing. Like there is some art that's just very meticulous and just does take a lot of time. But I think for sure. the for a lot of stuff, it's it's about having the right ideas at the right time that you've built yourself to be the type of person who can write that type of thing. So like 
you're you're looking for trends, you're looking for an idea, you're looking for an inspiration, but you've already built yourself to be the type of person that can write that type of script in because you've you've written 30 other scripts, most of which are yeah. terrible or whatever. I mean, it's you've done definitely giving like Stephen King, who's just banging out like three novels a fucking year, even at mm -hmm. 75. But still, it's impressive that like most of this content that John Hughes was creating didn't fucking miss. Like mm -hmm. it became a staple part of our cultural zeitgeist. And is like consistently rewatched since coming out yeah, no, in the like 80s or 90s. Like that's fucking mm -hmm. nuts. That's wild. He's the man has had a lasting I mean, he's dead now, but his content is still going 40 fucking years later. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was one of the the ones I wanted to go back to this holiday. Just as something that like I could I could put on and I knew I'd enjoy. I'll watch pretty much anything with one of the Culkins in it anyway. Like they're all <laughs> very talented actors I, for all of Macaulay's I, 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 problems. I think the thing that stood out to me the most is just like the the humor in it. Um, it's delivered by a child actor, so it falls flat, but it's good enough mm -hmm. that like the charm of the time period like carries. Uh, so much of that movie, like getting to see the, I guess the nostalgia for the 90s was really rewarding, I guess, I think to, to look back at and not like, like, the, the pop culture any any of that that kind of leaked in like seeing John Candy in there was kind of strange and not really worth anything for the movie but um John Candy was just in like almost every John Hughes movie yeah he, he was just there yeah <laughs> but like getting yeah. to see uh getting to see like all the old cars getting to see all the old like the, the grocery stores and shit uh, especially during all of this the 30s my, my 30s sorry seeing like everything is is closed and locked up and there's a pandemic it was just really it was the good kind of nostalgia mm. yeah very soothing but um also like but yeah the child actor doing the comedic things is cutesy it's not that funny because it's not serious comedy it's a lot of slapstick but like some of those more serious moments with him are like weirdly really well acted for like what i think is an 8 year old child yeah i couldn't tell you he's he's tiny uh, He's so I, like it's, it's oh my weird. god, he was so precious. I think I've seen more content with old uh, Macaulay. Macaulay Culkin, baby. I've seen enough of his content as an adult where seeing him as a kid again is like really Very weird, yeah. dissociative. Have you ever seen Party Monster? Oh my god, that movie is wild mm. if you haven't Don't seen know that it. One. Oh, you should absolutely watch Party Monster. It's not that great, but it's got Macaulay Culkin and Seth, uh, Seth Green in it and they're playing club kids, like 90s mm. club kids. That's what it's about um it's actually about like three real club kids from the 90s club kids were like basically the precursor to like edm raver kids mm -hmm. of today uh so they wore the crazy outfits with the furry boots and the fishnets and the neon colors and the candy bracelets like it was all and very the pacifiers much of the era. but and they were doing shitloads of drugs they're doing ecstasy and cocaine and and all that shit getting wasted going to new york city clubs in this like crazy super avant-garde fashion and it was like this whole cultural phenomenon community that morphed into the raving community and then the later the edm community but it, this is really like the start and it is very much supported by like the lgbtq like that early like lgbtq drag community was like very right. much the beginning basis for the new york club kid scene and it's the movie is crazy and it's super, super cool and weird, but it's about a real Macaulay Culkin plays a real guy, like an actual guy in the New York club kids scene 
who ended up going to prison for murdering his lover in a fit of drug-induced rage. Um, and the whole story is basically about the lead-up to that moment. Mm. It's wild. It's absolutely nuts. And I went down a rabbit hole on New York City Club Kids and like this one particular guy and the whole murder that happened and what he's been doing since then and how he's been trying to like capitalize on his fame from that murder. Oh it's God. so fucked up and weird. Watch Party Monster. That movie is absolutely unhinged. Um, and Macaulay Culkin very much seems like he's like he was at the height of his drug addiction when he made that movie, too. So he very much seems like fucked up during that movie. It's crazy. It is a crazy movie. Ten ten recommend. It's not that good, but definitely watch it. I um on okay on Home Alone is I think like oh look at the thing that, that was crazy tangent. <laughs> <laughs> the thing. Well, it's still about Macaulay Culkin. The thing that sticks out to me is having so many memorable moments. I think sometimes I've I've watched a lot of movies actually in the last few weeks, and it's just like my Christmas one, for example, was How the Grinch Stole Christmas with Jim Carrey, and the movie just oh is God. tight in terms Sorry. of the amount of moments. I just need to like pause real quick. This is super unrelated, but I got deep into like holiday TikToks and like oh my God. people were thirst trapping and like thirsting after the Grinch because at yeah. um I'm not I'm not Universal talking about that. <laughs> at Universal Studios, I think it's Universal Studios, uh, or maybe it's Disney World, but they have a um like a Whoville section mm. at one of those parks and they had the Grinch in for the holidays for kids. So you could Take, instead of Santa Claus, you can take pictures with the Grinch, which is super cute and fun. Um, and the guy they had playing the Grinch, it was Jim Carrey's Grinch. He had the whole makeup on. It, the character actor was fucking great. Like, he was leaning in, and it was so fun. But, like, there were some TikTok people going there, like, intentionally hitting on the Grinch. And there's, like, fucking kids around. Oh and I'm God. like, this is out of pocket. Like, y'all got to get your shit together. This is not, this is a children's theme park. Keep it in your fucking pants. Lock it down. This is not cool. The poor Grinch character actor. Well, one guy went up to the anyways. Grinch and was like, "Can you be my baby daddy?" And I was no, like, "You okay. cannot. This is this is." Well, let's not get into the movie yet. You know. I'm sorry. But, the poor. But, uh, all I'm saying is the poor Grinch. Yeah, the Grinch. I, I think the Jim Carrey's Grinch movie is good. It's a solid Christmas movie. And yeah, but one of the things cute. that like reminds it. me of Home Alone two or Home Alone as well is that it's. Dense. The movie has a lot of moments in a row that are very watchable and memorable. You remember, like, the Grinch did this, and then that happened, then Cindy Lou's doing this or whatever. My favorite scene from that movie is, oh, who's the actress? Because I love the actress, but it's Cindy Lou, whose mom is, like, putting up the lights. Oh. She's like, I'm going to have the most lights. Oh, my God. But then their yes. neighbor is This fucking femme fatale who, yeah. who's just, like, looking, absolutely serving everything. Yes. Every look through this movie Looking fucking unreal. Oh, I feel awful because I love that actress and I'm just, it's just, I know. I'm looking me. it up now. I'm looking it up now. Yeah. Um, but she, her line, I almost remember the line is exactly, but it's like, she's like, I have this antique um, chandelier, a hundred years old, but this is new. And she like pulls off the thing and there's just a cannon for lights and she's just, <laughs> yeah. Christine Baranski. Oh, yeah. Of Mamma Mia and Chicago fame. Yeah, so her big thing that I remember her from is Big Bang Theory. She plays Leonard's mom, and she's incredible as that character. Uh, I never watched that show. Incredible. Bing bong. <laughs> Say what you will about that show. But I that was a great guilty pleasure for show for me. I don't care that all geeks hate it and has tons of sexual predator problems. 
I just really had a good time. I don't care about uh, the Me Too movement no, or no, women's rights. No. I just think the show is good. It's not good. It's just, it's just, I was very charmed by the characters and enjoyed watching it. So Home Alone, similar thing. It, I, for me, the furnace scene is like the one that like that. I love that. Hit my childhood. Lives like I had forever. a similar thing with a laundry machine that had, I assume, some sort of lighting or something like that. Because it would just be a dark hallway and this weird soft glow in the deep, dark recesses of our laundry room. And it just gave me that same feeling, the terror hmm. as uh, the Home Alone uh, furnace. So good. The tarantula. Like, there's just so many, like, I random things. Obviously, the pizza scene. The I watched it with my dad, actually, over the holidays. And he was howling laughing, first of all. But I love the scene with Macaulay Culkin and that old man at the church having, like, that heart-to-heart conversation. I just thought it was, like, so charming right. and so sweet. And it just, I loved it so much. I think the most um, out-of-time moment I had with it while I was watching it was seeing how much things costed back then uh, or at least within the movie logic because like when they ordered a pizza and it was like 11 bucks i was like in what fucking world is a pizza 11 dollars delivered and then honestly that doesn't then seem that crazy to me I mean, the movie delivered came out 11 dollars like and then they go to the gro- and then he goes to the grocery store and he gets a ton of shit and the lady's like, that'll be $21. Yeah, and he's got like a gallon of milk. He's got like fabric softener and like like a, t- like a cart's worth. And I'm and scanning him. And I was like, that laundry detergent alone is like t- fucking 15 bucks. <laughs> well, in fairness, he did have a coupon. That's true. He did have mm. a coupon for the for the laundry detergent. That like that's like that's one of the few things that took me out of the movie was like the whole time I was like, "This is this is perfect. This is like the most charming '90s shit possible. Uh, the good '90s shit before slime happened." Then yeah, suddenly it's like twenty-one bucks for your groceries. I was like, "Uh-uh, this is fake." <laughs> Again, we're talking about like middle America in I'm, the I'm vividly in 1990s. Aware. <laughs> I feel like that's like not super inaccurate. Middle America, that's Chicago. Uh, okay, it's still the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I, I don't have that much to say about it, so I'm just gonna go back to it and say it now. But the actual other Andrew Garfield movie that I actually meant to talk about that wasn't Tick Tick Boom because we already talked about Tick Tick Boom. Oh my god. It was Spider-Man so too. But was uh you might you might dislike me for this, but I ended up watching Under the Silver Lake with my family. Surfing through <gasps> You watched it without me? I know. I do hate you for I'm that. a little upset. I'm a little upset. I actually am really, really upset about that. that. I had it on my list, you bitch. Yeah, <laughs> we were struggling I to find a movie. You, I even told you. I even told you it was yeah. on my fucking list. I know. You stinky bitch. I knew it was. I knew it was on the list when we picked it, but we were struggling to find a movie. I saw it come up, and I was like, "This one sounds good." We and everyone's like, "Andrew Garfield." Oh my god, I love him. And I was like, "Okay." So it it, it worked out. We were struggling to find a movie, and I'm like, "I'm just gonna take. I'm gonna take the L here." But yeah. So since you two still want to watch it, I'll just leave it up to there but it's it's a very i had no idea what it was about honestly like i had looked it up slightly what it was about but like when it was a thriller i thought it was going to be much more murdery thriller but it's actually more about like it's that disillusioned with hollywood style of movie very um maholland drive or um oh it's not obviously not nearly as good as maholland drive but it's about disillusioned people disillusioned actors or people in Mm -hmm. In Hollywood and in this particular case Andrew Garfield and him going on this journey where this girl's gone missing and he doesn't know why and he's trying to find out and so he goes all around Hollywood finding out about 
basically the we were talking about this before the podcast, but like the secret societies and stuff of uh, the Hollywood elite. Yes. I heard I heard a lot about the movie, but a lot of what I heard was, I think, intentionally vague. But the, 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 the pervasive thing that I that I picked up was that a lot of people were having a hard time, like quantifying the plot. Uh, like mm-hmm. I like a lot of people were saying it was very surreal and yes. it was very kind of disjointed. Does that feel intentional or does it feel like that's like a mishandling of something? It's intentional. Hmm. It does. It, it's weird because it feels like something that's been done many times before, but it is done in its own way here where it's kind of in that pulpy nostalgia. It's a secret code. Visit societies. Go to eyes wide shut. Go into like the psychosis of a person who's disillusioned with Hollywood, but from a very teenage perspective. So we're talking like secret codes at like cereal boxes. There's like old video games are part of it and all stuff. And the characters are all a little jokey. Like everyone he meets is a kind of like, I go to parties in Hollywood. Like, what do you do? Like, it's, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it, the yeah, tone like caricatures is different. Almost. Yeah. The tone is different than a lot of other stuff, but I'll get, that's what I'll give it. It's, it's, it's unique. I didn't love it, but it, really follows through with its vision. Damn, yeah. I think it's still going to be on my list um, for personal watching. And Andrew Garfield's just charming. and Oh, yeah, it's, it's very psychosexual, too. It's so many shots of just his butt and him just masturbating. And, like, it's just a <laughs> oh, lot okay. about him being obsessed with women. Um, and yeah. it's it's that kind of, like, it's it's not what's it, very much like the movie we're going to talk about. This would have been a good one to dip right into the movie for the actual episode because it's it's kind of about his sex and and being tempted by women to like distract him yeah which mm-hmm. i would have a lot more fun time with watching a movie like that if it was you know with men but <laughs> women <laughs> well because it's just it's not it's not funner to me it's just like him being gross like the whole time yeah i was gonna say like it's, it's probably not exactly the not as effective if you're not believing the yeah. fantasy that's fair yeah but outside of that i watched a lot of shows mm-hmm. um so I don't know how much we want to dig into any of these, so I'm just going to list off some shows I watched. And if we want to dig into any of them, we can. Um, I have almost completed Yellow Jackets. Nice. I just finished the eighth episode today. I think there's only like two more that are coming out. It's Is that a, is that a closed series? It's not a seasonal one? It's seasonal. It got greenlit for a second season. Mm. I would still recommend watching it. It's super weird and different um, from most other things I've seen. It's a psychological horror TV show, which you don't mm-hmm. get too often, so that's really cool already. The cast is rad. It's a ton of women, which is really cool. It's got Melanie Linsky, um, Juliette Lewis, and Christina Ricci. All of them are phenomenal in it. Highly recommend for that reason alone. Yeah, I think we did cover this one on the pod, too. I had actually. mentioned it after watching yeah. uh, the first episode. Um, and, my, mm-hmm. and my initial thought about what it was going to be is changing. Pretty, pretty drastically uh, because originally I really thought that it was going to be like cl- more closely related to like a thriller like a survival thriller you know like that one about the like that drama about the soccer team who crashed in the Andes and started eating each other like that's what I thought this was going to be mm-hmm. uh, just based on like the overall premise but it's become a lot more about like the mystery and there's a lot of like supernaturally ish type things that are coming into it in conjunction with the survivalist like thriller elements so it's like very tonally weird and you flip back and forth between like them as teenagers in the wilderness trying to fight to survive and then them as adults trying to cover up whatever dark secret happened out there 
and you don't know what it is. And like my first thought, cannibalism, obviously. But like so many other weird elements are coming in, like super psychological and supernatural things are starting to be woven into it that it's like, it's very strange, but I'm really invested. I'm really, really loving it. Uh, It's already been greenlit for a second season. It's been very, very popular. And it's just, it's cool watching a show that's like so heavily focused on stories about women, very different women from like very different class systems um, and how they handled this trauma. And none of the trauma is like a sexual related trauma, which is very cool. It's rare that you see a movie that's predominantly uh, female led that is about trauma and that trauma doesn't end up becoming like sexual in some way like sexual mm-hmm. assault or or child molestation or something like that it's it's really not taking that angle so it's it's very cool their yeah. interactions are great it's really well acted i i just somebody fucking watch it because i need somebody to talk to about i'll be next on that this list. show it's so good it's so good anyway so i watched that i'm almost done it i will probably do another recap when it's over especially if you watch it Des. i also watched hawkeye mm. it was fine <laughs> yeah, I did. I didn't uh, um, start that one up. It's a look. Let me say this: it's a lot better than I expected. I ended up enjoying mm. it. It's very charming, which bothered me because I really don't like Jeremy Renner. I know that's a stupid reason to like not want a show to be charming. I just hate his stupid face, and he looks like he'd be an asshole in real life. But <laughs> the show is good, and he's very good as Hawkeye. I like that they're doing more with Hawkeye because he's a cool character. I like that they brought in his deafness. Um, because it's like a pretty important part of his character for a good run of the comic books. Uh, and there's just not a lot of like disabled representation in, in mm-hmm. movies or TV in general. So that's cool. Um, there's another character in it named Echo, who is also deaf, who is fucking amazing. She's deaf, Native American and an amputee. The actress is deaf, Native American and an amputee. Very cool. Total badass character. Super fun to watch on screen. Yeah, it's just it's fun. You know, it follows the standard Disney format. It's if you need something to like binge because you're in a bad mood, it's that's what that's what you want to watch it for. It's unless you're a huge Hawkeye fan, like you're you're not watching this for like earnest <laughs> content criticism. Unless you're the one Hawkeye fan. No, there's tons of okay, don't <laughs> don't because we're gonna get so much shit. Hawkeye is a cool character, he didn't mean uh, it. Like Hawkeye has a lot going for him. He's fucking neat. Okay. Yeah, he's got uh, both eyes. He can shoot arrows. Look, you're really gonna shit on he one of the has... few disabled superhero <laughs> characters that people can get representation on. You really, you really want to take that route? Are you sure? No, no. I'm, I'm, ma- I'm making a joke because like Hawkeye had a really, really shit run of comics. Uh, every time it, they tried to reboot Hawkeye, it, it failed. And then, like a good, um, probably like f- seven or so years ago, they actually did successfully reboot his comic. Uh, and it was actually dope. I think uh, it was actually so I'm good. I'm almost 90% um, certain that the bulk of this series is based on the comic series you were talking about. Is it the one where they utilize a lot them, of yeah. like purple in the imagery and it has like the like like uh, Target in the Hawkeye logo? It's like very 90s font. Um, I, I'm actually not certain uh, if that's the, the, the same one that they may be pulling from. But regardless, yeah, when they rebooted it, it was super good. I don't think a lot of people read it because the name recognition doesn't didn't click for a lot of comic. They actually people make the time, a I lot guess. of jokes about Hawkeye's problems with name recognition through the show, which are they, they land. They're yeah. actually very funny. Yeah, 
but yeah, I'm 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 glad to see that they're that they're doing stuff with him because as that one writer tur- I forgot who wrote it, but uh, as it turns out, you can write a boring character to be interesting. And you can write a- an interesting character out of uh, a character that people ignore. It, it's it, the show is fun. The show is fun. Kate Bishop is really mm. cool in it. Oh, yeah, she's, she's great. Yeah, she's very charming. She's very funny. She adds like a bit of warmth to Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye, uh, who is historically very dull. Flat. Alacqua Cox is awesome as Echo. She kicks ass. She's super cool. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio is back as Kingpin from like the Marvel Daredevil series. That Kingpin. Ooh. He's back. Yeah, he's great. Because Charlie Cox is coming back as Daredevil. So that's super cool. Good. Because he was great too. Phenomenal. Uh, I've also heard rumors that Kristen Ritter is going to be coming back as Jessica Jones. Nice. Good. And. Someone else is going to be coming back to you. Oh, uh, John Bernthal from uh, Punisher is in talks, apparently, uh, to come back as Punisher. Throw him out. We don't I need him. I loved him as Punisher. Uh, probably just because I think he's hot. Grunty shoot man. I think he's attractive. Grunty, grunty revenge man with gun. But, like, the Punisher show was actually really cool. Um, and Ben Barnes was in it, and he was fucking rad. Love Ben Barnes. Ben Barnes. Love Ben Barnes. Uh, did you watch uh, Shadow and Bone? No. Okay. Uh, have you seen Picture of Dorian Gray? <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, he was Dorian Gray. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. He was also Prince Caspian in the mm. Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Narnia, Prince Caspian movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the movie sucked. All of them sucked, but he was Prince Caspian. He's also in Westworld, mm. in the first season of Westworld. Yeah, That's he's true. he's yeah. lovably hateable in, in Westworld. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Him and Jimmy Simpson, mm-hmm. such a good dynamic. Love them both. They're both fantastic. They fucking killed it. This is tangenting hard. My point is, Hawkeye is <laughs> better than do. I expected. If you're bored <laughs> and have nothing better to do, you should watch it. If you are a Marvel fan, you've definitely already watched it. The after credit scene, though, did piss me off. It's really stupid, uh, and I didn't like it. Mm. But yeah, we're getting we're getting an Echo series with Alacqua Cox, uh, which is very cool. Kate, Bit- like they're clearly doing some kind of young Avengers type situation because mm. they're bringing in Ms. Marvel. They brought in Kate Bishop. They've, they've shown different variants of Loki, so we're probably going to get a kid Loki. Like, they're definitely going to be doing a Young Avengers of some kind, even or, or maybe they'll just be the next generation of new Avengers. I don't fucking know, but they're, they're setting up for something. We've got Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin back. Like, we're going to see these characters come in in other shows and future movies. I just don't think the actual Hawkeye Good. show is intended to continue as it is. Yeah. Um, and if it does, it will be Kate Bishop's Hawkeye. And then maybe Jeremy Renner makes a few cameos. Good. Yeah. <laughs> do Kate Bishop's Hawkeye. Um, Kate Bishop's great. Kate Bishop's super funny. Yeah. Fun. I wanted to leave one. Th- so it's like, finally, I don't have like any shows to talk about because I'm like one or two episodes away from finishing a bunch of stuff. But I'll talk about those when I finish them. Then there's me just talking about Yellow Jackets eight times. I, I wanted to mention one really good thing because I've actually seen so much good stuff. I really feel like I want to get in something that I truly loved in here, which is I just saw yesterday the new Netflix movie that um or it's not Netflix movie but it's like a new movie Netflix put out. How did you say that? Like that just came on Netflix called The Lost Daughter. And I thought you were is, gonna say Don't Look Up, and I was like, Are you seriously about to praise Don't Look Up? I loved Don't Look Up too, by the way, but. Okay. It's a very okay. Don't look up. I'll just say my quick thing of it because it's too popular movie for us to be really talking about. But it's like, don't look up is, I mean, we're, we should talk about popular shit literally constantly. I know, but it's like 
if it's a movie especially, I feel like we should try to go towards more indie ones. Yeah. I, I've come to appreciate movies that are so ham-fisted, I feel like they actually have a chance of talking to people They're, about their issues. Okay, so here's the thing. If this, if, if Don't Look Up was a tight 90 minutes, I would be on board with you. This is a two and a half hour movie mm -hmm. and they shoved in so much fucking character development just because they had this enormous star studded cast. They had to have at least 10 mm -hmm. minutes with each one of them explaining their fucking background. It was exhausting. It was a slog of a movie that could have been so fun if it was tight. If they did it tight, even I could have even handled close to two hours. Two and a half hours plus an after credit scene, they were fucking milking that every goddamn second. It was not a good enough movie to be that fucking long. Well, that's a fair enough criticism. Uh, that was not the criticism I had. The, the time went by fast enough for me. But don't look up. It, this what is Don't Look this? Up. The the big, it's the big oh, gotcha. one that's like done really well on Netflix recently. The big one. DiCaprio. Uh, the, new, yeah. the new Squid Game. It was critically fucking panned, though. Yeah. People are saying it's like the first time... Leonardo DiCaprio has ever like has missed in the last like 10 years which I don't think is true no I think he misses a lot yeah I agree I agree but it is one of the first movies he's done in like a decade that was critically panned it may not be his only miss yeah. from like a popular viewer standpoint but from the critic standpoint oof I feel like this is he yeah this shredded. is shredded maybe this is worth talking about because it's like I am never in the position of being against the uh the critic consensus and for the popular consensus. But the popular consensus that this movie is pretty good is like, I'm pretty much there. I'm like, it is so over the top and so ham-fisted and a lot of the acting is bad. But I just like the actual storyline and just how stupid everyone is. Like, it's just like, that's how it yeah. feels in I real don't life. Hate stupidity in a movie. I don't hate intentional, like, melodramatic satire, the satire in a movie. satire, like, worked I for me. Yeah, and I, again... Tighten that baby up. I would have loved it the same way I love Thank You for Smoking, which has a very similar tone and a very similar elements of stupidity. But they went so far with the stupidity that it, it started going into like 90s Jim Carrey territory in certain sections. And nobody was funny enough to carry off that fucking acting like that. Just there was no there was no Jim Carrey in there. Let's just say that. And it was so long, two and a half hours long. It had no business. It had no business. Gotta buy me dinner first. Absolutely not. Like, plus an after credit scene? What are you doing? This is not a movie that requires an after credits. They're setting up the Suck my dick. Don't Look Down sequel. I, I, Absolutely I, the fuck not. I really want to move on, but I also am like, no, I gotta say my thing about this. But it's like, <laughs> what, I, what I actually felt during the movie was that, like, it's, it's about two scientists who are like, we definitely know a comet is going to destroy the Earth and there's nothing we can fucking do about it. And it's like, I love that they then go up to people and it just, it to me, it so captures what it feels like today to be like, okay, vaccines, you you like, like you believe in science, right? Yeah, I believe in science. So you believe in these things? Yeah, yeah. So vaccines? No, absolute garbage. Just throw that out the window, right? It's like, and it wasn't even about, the movie was never meant to be about the vaccines. It was made before COVID was like really the thing. Yeah, it, was it was made to be about, to be about climate, climate change. crisis. And yeah. so it's so funny that it's like, like it just has layers and layers of like how what it actually feels like to like live in today's society, even as a satire. And satires rarely work for me. So I don't know the hamfistedness. It somehow the frustration the characters felt felt so real to me. And so that made the comedy feel like it actually was meaning towards something instead of just being 
comedy for the sake of being funny, right? I don't think the movie is actually that funny, but I think that it actually is in the service of an actual message or an actual feeling of the frustration of living in today's world. So I, that's what I liked about it. DiCaprio was awful in it, though. Absolutely deserves yes. it. I did not enjoy his performance. Um, but yeah, he was really bad. Meryl Streep uh, and Kate Blanchett like, were amazing in it. Loved their characters. They were fine. Jonah Hill was not good. I hate Jonah Hill. Which is Hill. weird because I, hate I him as a person. normally, I love Jonah Hill. Like nine times out of ten, I greatly enjoy his performances. I think he's like a relatively solid actor um, and he can be quite funny. And I've liked him in other things he was in with, with DiCaprio. I say what you will about Wolf of Wall Street. It's not a great movie, but I liked Jonah Hill in that movie and I liked their dynamic. He was a fucking moron in this movie to an extreme level that was exhausting to look at like it felt like the most aggressive version of holier than thou liberalism and it was like so frustrating to me because it it had valid points it had interesting things to say and it was like relatively funny satire about 40 to 60 percent of the time which is pretty good but like it went to such an extreme and i as like what i would describe as a leftist still found it like way too pretentiously holier than thou at points where it's like actively deriding the opposition in a way that's like no longer productive or even interesting. It's just like the most obvious bargain basement comments you'd find on like a Facebook thread with your conservative aunt that it was like fucking boring. It's just exhausting. You couldn't have even at least mind the confines of like woke fucking Twitter or leftist tiktok yeah, to find better nuanced. jokes than this <laughs> shit but yeah <laughs> i'm like just gonna try to switch gears this makes no sense as a thing to move into but i still just want to well no i got to talk about one thing i i did as a more the type of movie we're you know we're supposed to do for our main ones here lost daughter is very much the type of movie that we're supposed you know it, i don't know how many it's supposed very to be popular. doing it's supposed to be very popular on Netflix, which I'm a little bit surprised at because there isn't really anything about it that I would say strikes me as like a big, big movie potential. Maggie Gyllenhaal directed it, which is really Love cool. Love Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh. And it was based on a book written by Elena Ferrante, who wrote the super best-selling series, the Neapolitan novels, which begins with My is Brilliant Friend. One, is this the one that has Peter, Sar like her husband in it? Peter Sarsgaard? Maybe. I, th I think he is. But I didn't write him down because the, the male characters aren't really huge in this. It's really the main character is played by Olivia Coleman, who's in. It is this one. Okay. Yeah. So she plays the queen in the queen uh, for s some seasons. She plays, plays the queen. Yeah. In the crown, you mean? The crown. Yes. Yeah. She plays the queen in the favorite. And yes. Also. And, that one too. and she's excellent also in Fleabag, one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, and then Jesse Buckley plays her younger self in this movie for things. And Dakota Johnson plays this woman she meets on vacation. The movie, The Lost Daughter, is about uh, Olivia Coleman's character, who is a professor of literature, who goes to uh, a working holiday in Greece. And she's there alone and doing work and stuff like that. But she's frustrated by the belligerence and breaking the rulesness of uh, this one family that's around this like very flamboyant Greek family who's just taking over every beach she goes to, you know, just doing their own thing. Just they're lively. They're angry. They're there. There's so much stuff going on with them. 
and she notices they have a daughter. And then the, a lot of the movie is her having flashback scenes to her daughters. They're not there with her on this vacation. So you're getting this feeling of why is she getting so frustrated at this family? And this one moment where this other family loses their daughter, like she's gone on the beach. They don't know where she is. And so you see her flashing back to her losing one of her daughters um, during this scene in her past. And she doesn't know where she is. And so she helps them search. Um, so they're scouring the beach, scouring the beach. Eventually, this is all in like act one. Eventually they do find their daughter just hiding out somewhere. And actually it's her, her herself, Olivia Coleman's character who finds the daughter. But the daughter had a doll which goes missing. Flash forward a couple scenes and Olivia Coleman stole it. Uh, and you're and you're trying to see like why what possessed her to do this and what is it that about her psychology and things and it's this beautiful deep dive into her past with herself played by Jesse Buckley and seeing how her beginning motherhood with her own daughters was a disaster like she's just she cannot stand being a mother and actually Lydia will get this but it's like it, her feeling like when you see her with children is very much like watching the movie Babadook where it's you just have this feeling of children being the bane of your existence. And it's about her making choices right. in life that are not very good choices for her daughters um, and how she, why she does that. And, 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 and you very much feel her emotional experiences towards why she's making these choices. This setting is sublime. This like coast of Greece and meeting this family and, and the beaches and the stonework and everything. It's just... It's this beautiful area in this psychological sort of, it's not even hell. It's not even that she's actually like a kind of strong, stubborn woman now. It's not even about her being like depressed about it. It's about the type of toughness or brashness or, or strangeness of a person she's become because of choices she made in her past. And uh, it's it's just so cool. It does not go where you think it's going to go. I don't think, uh, or like, at least for me, they were very good at showing you a certain version of this character that you think she is and what happened in her past and then recontextualizing all of that through these flashbacks. It's wonderful. I just loved it. And as a thriller, too, it actually works quite effectively. There's some freaky th situations she gets herself in, like to give away something like the family she meets that she's belligerent towards or, or steals the doll from is probably the mafia. So her stealing that doll was probably not the best decision of her life. Yeah, it's just, it's a really in intense journey in that way too. So I think the fact that the plot works in this thriller fashion really keeps you invested in the flashback scenes because you have this pressure or this reason to keep watching the movie. So I, I love a good mix like that. It, it doesn't feel too pretentious, wandering nonsense indie movie. Like there is a direct um, pull to keep watching. So that was an amazing time. I'm I've watched so many amazing things recently, and that's been the the tip the the last bit. Nice. Did anyone else want to jump in if you want to continue your list, uh, Lydia, with anything before we head to the movie? Um, did anyone else watch Witcher season two? I haven't finished it. That's one of the ones I'm okay. Finishing. Then no, no, I'm good. Uh, I've watched a few things. I've been a lot of rewatching lately. I hit it. <clears throat> like I'm rewatching. Um, Midnight Mass because I wanted to take some notes wow. um, and see if I can actually write something proper about how I felt about that show because I think it's good. I think it's really good. I think it could be my favorite Flanagan, but I but I but I feel like there's holes in it 
because of its length. So I wanted to just I wanted to solidify my thoughts on that. But I rewatched the Matrix trilogy in preparation for the new one, uh, which I watched twice. That I'm not gonna let that say anything about the movie. I rewatched season one of the 2004 Battlestar Galactica uh, because love. I don't think I don't think TV ever got mm. better than that. I still need to finish. I still feel bad. I think about it all the time that I still only got through the first two seasons. It, it, don't feel too bad because like no, I want to finish um, it sure. seasons season three and four got uh, were, were they happened concurrently with the massive writer strike right. the big the big famous one so like the writing does suffer because of it but uh, the show deserves it I think I think it deserves a full watch I'm yeah, it's not, watching it's not season... suffering in the way that like heroes suffered from it which was <laughs> no it was bad no like the show the show oh. kept going but it, one of its legs got taken out and it's clearly trying to like derail so that it can get back on course and unfortunately the, yeah. it's only four seasons so it does suffer for that i will also but, say i personally wasn't a huge fan of the way the series ended i hmm. think the back half of that fourth season is is pretty rough i think season three no is spoilers redeemable. for the boy no spoilers no spoilers for Joseph. yeah oh i think season three like is not Season three is is not as well written as season one and two, but I do think it still stands as a as very quality television. The back yeah. half of season four is like the real dip for me. It's like you get midway through season four and you really, really start feeling that decline in quality. Yeah, it, it's it's another one of those shows that I think like it was irredeemably harmed by the writer's strike and it couldn't recover. But I still think, given the context, it, it ended as good as I think it could have I without giving them an additional season. That's the thing. I think one more season yeah. or one more, season one more movie like, or one more movie would have done yeah, it. Yeah, one more movie. You know? You if you, could have if you watch them similarly to like a Firefly, which I still think deserved more seasons. But like I think Serenity did a good job of fixing yeah. some of the things you mm. lost. And I think one more season or one more movie for... Battlestar would have done the same. If 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 you're a if you're a BSG head, Lydia, I re- there's a there's a viewing order that that someone has been like sharing online for like a decade, where it like amalgamates the movies into the viewing order of the show, and it only begs watching it in this order if you've already seen all of BSG, like the the TV series. Um, yeah. Because like because there's bits where like it kind of like spoils itself, but uh, it really does f- help with some of the holes, but. Uh, that's another place in time. I'd love to do a separate podcast just on that. But um, I finally finished. Did you ever watch Caprica, <clears throat> the prequel show? Oh, yeah, or me? You for sure. You. I, obviously, I haven't. Obviously. Oh yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like Caprica had so much potential. Like I was really excited about it. I was like, "This mm-hmm. is gonna be fucking cool," and it shit the bed so quick. Like it started yeah. off pretty cool. Its first couple episodes were like pretty fucking dope. And then it just, man, did it suck. I, I think was, it's one it of those things where, disappointment. like... It was my It was a bigger disappointment than season four. Yeah. I think that the thing that, that like, a lot of... This is actually why I have such a... And, and like, it's, it seems kind of meme but I really do have a large issue with things being rebooted so heavily and things being transliterated across media because oftentimes this is what happens, right? BSG 2004 is a different beast entirely from the media it is spawned from that it doesn't it shouldn't even bear the same name they're not even related and like you get this so often where you have a writer who has like an idea like it may not be the best idea but like and they have just enough chops to make the execution work um 
and it's just bogged down by its relation to other media and so like caprica came out and like it it did a disservice to like the whole thing and like and and even if you like relate it backwards to the old bsg which was just a star wars knockoff like bsg 2004 should basically just be its own thing it should be yeah compartmentalized renamed and just amalgamated with the movies into one complete thing and then just not touched but it looks like another streaming service is trying to reboot it again and i just cannot be there that's for one it. that does not need a reboot because the 2004 series was so good. exactly and i get like it again everybody's it. like very into fantasy sci-fi right now like that's super the genre choice which i love i love that we're getting more fantasy sci-fi content i love that a lot of it is like pretty dark and intense yeah which is cool but i think you can do something and not have to reboot something that was already consistently really great and if they were going to do that i would just much prefer they take season four and go okay we're gonna expand on this as and a fix movie it. and just do a movie <laughs> and get yep. get me my original cast or as much of my original cast back as you can and just do the movie and fix the problems you created in season four. Because there isn't a yep. single BSG fan of that se- of the 2004 series that's going to complain about doing that. None of none of us are going to be like, oh, you can't take my beloved like source material because we all know season four was fucking bad. Yeah, we know that. We so know that just it's coming in and fixing it. Yeah, I, I, th- I feel like like I'm probably one of the few out there who's like, I'm fine with it being left as it is. Like I'm, I'm not gonna say I loved I'm, the way it wrapped, but I, I don't hate too, it. A lot of people it, burn it down for that. Like they wash the whole thing away mm. because of the ending, and I don't think it I've deserves that. that. Opinion, yeah. but, I don't either. But but I do think yeah, like a like a a nice concise professional wrap up by the originals. Yeah, would I think would be beneficial. Even, even if they were like, we're gonna just continue this series and pretend four didn't exist, I wouldn't even be mad about that. Mm-hmm. Was, we're just gonna do a new season four. Okay, fuck yeah, let's do it, and then have season yeah, just give them the five budget. or something. You know what I mean? Like make it a mini series. Do a do a six episode season four. Do a six episode season five, and then you know call it. Yeah, you could it keep it going if you wanted to, and I think that would be fine. But you could also just call it after season five and do like that, six. That's where I get dicey. I think I think they should just leave it dead if that at that rate if the, if it leaves the opportunity to do more. But but again, that's just me, and you you guys know how I feel about mm, you know reboots. resuscitating properties. It's it's one of it's one of my hiccups. But. I just think there was a lot more potential for storytelling mm-hmm. that it if that writer strike hadn't happened. Granted, it's sci-fi, so it might have just gotten canceled, which happens with so many great sci-fis. But let's assume it's not going to get canceled. And the writer's strike didn't happen. I think yeah. you probably would have been looking at a six-season show. Yes, absolutely. You know, like I think that would have been perfection. I think you probably could have pushed it to seven, but I think six seasons is exactly what it needed. Six and is it healthy. Just did not get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I oh, I just I, I was gonna say just a thing that's related to this. I saw that very recently. The last book in the Expanse book series just got published. And it, and it makes me sad they they got that conclusion. That series ended. It concluded very well, apparently. Like, the general consensus is very, very well. But the TV show is also ending. Like, they already filmed and wrapped up the final season. But the final uh, season of television show came out, and I don't think they're anywhere close. I think they're, like, three books behind. So there's just... It's so close, but they're not going to be able to. And they're it's done. Like, the TV show, they're not going to... It's been canceled. 
And so it just makes me sad. Yeah. Yeah. That is a bummer. I um I, I don't want to, to extend things beyond so that we can actually talk about the fun we done, but um there is something that that's been on my plate and I've I've gone back to it a bunch of times and wanted to bring it up, but I didn't like uh, this is this is a, a really gross thought process I had, but I, I was like I kinda want it to keep I want to keep it secret. I want it to keep it mine. Yeah, I didn't want this to ever blow up, but I but there's this there's this audio drama that I love that I just I, I keep re-listening to which one which one it's called gospels of the flood oh i don't know this one and i listen to yeah, a lot so, of audio dramas so it's it's only seven episodes each one's probably 15 20 minutes long and it's and it's done like there's Hi. there's no more coming by a, a writer who i very much appreciate from video games it is about a priest uh who loses his faith the day that the world starts to drown uh, the seas start to rise up and the rains don't stop. And then each episode is him meeting and revisiting one of his fellow clergymen from his past. There are seven of them. And each one is a step along while he tries to regain some manner, some, some semblance of his faith while also seeing that the world is going to end. And it is one of the best pieces of storytelling I've experienced in probably five to ten years. <laughs> and and it's like, it's it's directly to my personal mm. taste, so of course I'm going to say that. But it is, it's harrowing, it's heavy, makes me cry every time. I, I honest to God think you guys would love it. I, I cannot believe. I've listened to so many audio dramas. It's, it's so special, and it's... It's acted professionally by Peter Wingman, who is like an act, a professional actor from like he. I think he did like the um, Highlander TV series or something like that. Oh, the TV series! I love I, that TV series. It's not yeah, good, and, but and I loved as, it. And uh, and like it's just so so well done. Uh, and it's like not heavy fisted, like heavy handed with like religious illusion. Aside from the fact that the world is flooding, but like it's it manages to be both respectful and also critical while also telling a very concise, fulfilling story. That's my spiel. I, I've, I've ripped the fucking veil from it. Now everyone's going to know about this shit, but I love it. All of our six listeners. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also, just real quick, if we ever want to do a shit post episode, Highlander, that would be very good. Mm. Like Highlander yeah. at least one and two. I know they are fun. Once I'm, once I'm, yeah. But I, I love audio dramas, so I love that recommendation. I have a million yeah, audio dramas that I can recommend you if you ever need more to listen to because I fucking love them. Just super quick. I'm going to throw out the black tapes. It gets messy at the very end. It doesn't conclude great. Oh, yeah. Everything up to that. That's on my list. Amazing. I love it. It's so good. Um, except Let, for the last uh, couple episodes. Let's talk these at some point, maybe maybe later on, because like... Like I, I, I will, I will be here for like an hour or two just to just to hear all these recommendations. Okay, we gotta talk about this uh, erotic thriller. Yeah, we gotta talk oh, about the shitty oh fucking boy. movie. <laughs> that Joseph picked. So we watched. Joseph well, it. yeah, it was it was Ooh. it was the very last minute additional add to my already list of five, and then that was the one that you were like, "That's the one I want." So let's say it's a shared that burden. Is not what I said. Let's let's check the receipts here. Yeah, I the the exact line is I'm down for an erotic thriller, tbh. Yeah, I like a bad erotic thriller. I watched Trash though. 
All I watch is hot trash. I still watch Riverdale, bitch. Like, please. Um, of Riverdale sounds like a fucking movie. Ride. It is. It's intense. We already talked about it. We can't go back to Riverdale. I can't keep dipping in the Riverdale well. So, <laughs> uh, the movie was called Knock Knock, which was, I did not know this, but a remake of a 1977 film called Death Game. Yeah, that's in note. You know what? I got to be honest. That's not shocking to me because it's Eli Roth and he doesn't have an original bone in his fucking body. He remade his own movie, Cabin Fever, shot for shot and somehow made it shittier. Like it is worse than the original Cabin Fever by by a lot, by a large margin. And so it's a 2015 erotic thriller and it stars Keanu Reeves. And Anna de Armas. Yes. And, and nobody else. There, there is, <laughs> yeah, Anna de Armas. Uh, yeah. There are other people in it, but like no one famous. Yeah. So I guess I'll just throw in the basic plot is so Keanu Reeves is a loving father with way too many portraits of his family in his house. He's an architect. So many. It's so weird. <laughs> There's 75 of, his, of them. That's part of his character it's profile. Like, like his psychologist. <laughs> too many photos of your family. I couldn't stop bringing it up. Even even the, the show, alarm clock yeah. had pictures of his family. The show it's rams so it down your throat that this is a loving family. Like, are you sure? It's Father's Day. He's a good father. He has 14 his pictures of his him. family. I'm like, you're ramming it down throat so far. I don't know if this is parody or satire. Like, at some point, you're just questioning whether we're supposed to believe he's actually a good father or not because it's it's so over the top. Oh my God, it's aggressive. And so he's in his beautiful like architectural villa that he's presumably designed himself and his wife is an artist. Which, with- look, from the outside, I just, I need it bothered me so much. I need to point it out. From the outside, when they do that pan over overhead shot of this house, it is fucking enormous. Mm-hmm. But yeah. when you see the inside of the house, every room is like 20 by 20. It's, it's like corridors. a fucking yeah. prison cell. To be fair, Every though, the, there's a giant courtyard in the middle of it. So it's it's like it's big, but it's also yeah. like it's, a it's, like a, it's like a giant corridor, basically. It's bizarre. It is a bizarre, the nonsensical plot rundown, house. Yeah. The plot rundown. His wife yes, is sorry. an artist who makes these giant concrete uh, sculptures. Um, they have this very like Spanish style, lots of color and um she is gone with the kids for like the weekend for uh, a gallery a beach opening. getaway, yeah, something like this. Yeah, no, no, the gallery opening hasn't thing. happened yet. They're just doing like a beach getaway. Yeah. So he's left at home to do on Father's some, Day for some reason. He's left at home to do some uh, some architectural work, and uh, he gets a knock at the door uh, during a storm, and two very youngish looking uh, young women are at the door, and. They want to come in and uh, get, uh, get, make a phone call because their Uber dropped them off in the wrong place. So, and they don't know where they need to go. And it's the movie pouring rain out, and of course they're soaked through, mm-hmm. t-shirts see-through, wearing nothing but Daisy Dukes and tank tops. Yeah, the popular style of 2015: low-rise mini shorts. It <laughs> wasn't the type of dislike where we're all like, we need to like. And like, like pause this movie or turn it off immediately. But I think like around halfway through the movie, we all realize like this is going nowhere. Like this movie just has no interest in doing anything. Yeah. Like it's just so. It's it wasn't it wasn't painful. That's the thing. We've watched some movies together where it's like this is this is hard to finish. I'm having a rough go. I think it was pretty painful. (laughs) 
I okay. I, I had to walk away for a moment. I was just like, I was, <laughs> I was overwhelmed. Was silent for yeah. So yeah long? I, like I like uh, Eli. I, I could tell you were probably going to be overwhelmed. That scene was just gross. I I couldn't I couldn't handle one of the scenes, but also like yeah, I assembled fair. my own thesis on Eli Roth just by watching because I've accidentally seen a number of his things, but at this point. And he's just a pornographer. Basically. He's he's not a yeah. director. He's not a writer. He's a pornographer. No, yeah. All he, his left work 70s, is he left 70s exploitation bullshit. All, all, but all he's his like shit is bad. like gratuitous and sub and free of substance. Like it's yeah. it's the most watery, like torture porn every time. And this this movie, it, with no exception, from a man who made a hostile and green hell or whatever it was, a green inferno. This movie green is inferno. just it, instead of gore, it's emotional gore. Like Every every also... rib is being torn from Keanu Reeves as it's just like, mm-hmm. okay, look, Keanu, we 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 fucked you. We told your wife that we fucked you. We destroyed her art, burned her house, like stole your dog, killed your buddy, Publicly told your neighbors, humiliated you, and and then and then cut your hair and buried you alive and destroyed everything you love. And at the end, there's no discernible reason other than. Haha, <laughs> girl power in like the weirdest, cringiest Eli Roth way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Eli Roth is a, is a director that never should have been allowed to make anything beyond music videos. Like that's that's Eli Roth. You know, he should have been relegated to the world of making music videos for the Offspring, and never should have been allowed to make a. Fucking oh yeah, <laughs> I th- I think he's good at doing his splattery like blood horror like they should make him direct Hostel's a saw movie like, Hostel's gross and awful but fine yeah. like it, yeah. he let him do that for does it well it's gross and i hate those movies but like they are well done and fit exactly within the genre they're meant to and i think even the original cabin fever was fine it's not a yeah. good movie it's overly gross but it it hits on those specific horror tropes in a way that's like clearly meant to be satirical and it is effective there are jokes that he makes, uncomfortable jokes that he makes in the original Cabin Fever that are very similar to jokes that Joss Whedon made later in Cabin in the Woods. Mm. So in a lot of ways, it's oh. it's effective and a precursor True. for those that particular type of horror comedy. He just goes to like a gore extreme because I just don't think he's like a great... I don't think he's well. I don't think he's a good person. I think he is probably a very deep misogynist based on the majority of his content. Um, but like cabin fever did what it was meant to do. It was effective and it was like pretty well done for that specific early two thousands torture porn genre. I don't think he's capable of doing anything else. I don't, I don't think, think so. He's I, well, actually, in general, particularly true. talented. While we were watching this, I actually looked up his movies, which is how I learned. I watched too many of them. He actually did like a, like a PG That's fantasy. already bizarre. Like, it's a fan- fantastical comedy movie for kids called The House with a Clock in the Wall with mm. Jack Black. Mm. I heard that and movie apparently, sucked. Apparently, but it's also his highest grossing movie, and yeah, it's PG. Did well. But I, 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 I had, though. After, it came after out watching the same this, it so um, came out around the same time as Goosebumps. Like, that time <laughs> where they were trying to do, like, kids. Yeah, but it was that time period where they were trying to do kids, like, horror movies and make, All with like, Jack Black. Yeah, all with Jack Black, which I find hilarious. He's horrific. But, like, when we were kids, when we were young, we had horror TV shows and horror movies that were made for children. We had Are You Afraid Mm -hmm. in the Dark? We had Goosebumps. We had the Goosebumps movies. We had Freaky Stories. Like, there was tons of shit like that that was marketed for children, but it was horror. Those haven't been made 
for a while. That hasn't been no. like a popular children's genre. So I do think it's cool that those movies came out. They were just bad. They were just like shitty movies, unfortunately. <laughs> I like Jack Black a lot, too. So it's like a real bummer that a lot of the stuff he's in is hot garbage. But most kids movies are shit now. So, you know, he, he's 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 moved into his niche, which is like he will always be making money and he'll always have a career that his kids can watch, which is like which is ostensibly a good Charming. career move for a dad. Yeah. Not I good for that. us as like adults no, who enjoyed I, I would have no Shallow Hell. I, I did not enjoy Shallow Hell. I was more <laughs> thinking like high fidelity. You know? I was thinking like, yeah, Shallow there was one he bad. did. Yeah, it was. I, I, there was one he did. I liked Shallow Hell. I thought it was really funny. It's well, really, really funny. You're a shallow bitch. Whoa. I'm, ki- I'm kidding. Every, I'm everyone's being a stinky bitch today. What is this? I know. I'm terrible. <laughs> everyone's Had being mean. Oh, me. that's fair. Um, that's but fair. no, you're not a shallow bitch. You're fine. Joseph is not mean. He's a good person. Anyway, moving oh on. Oh, Joseph opened the podcast by making fun of me, so I'm not like, oh, let him have that. God. I don't even remember Fair what I enough. Said. <laughs> I don't either. I don't forget. I'm like I'm like an elephant or a goldfish. Okay. I, well, I wanted to go in with something. So it's this movie. <laughs> let's Going back to Knock Knock for a second. The thing about the movie that really frustrated me was that, like, if there was a way that this movie was good. Like if they're going to execute this movie better, what frustrates me is like the core of the movie, what the core fear is of the movie is this, that these women are going to come to your door as like a family man. And did everyone mute, you know, because they're laughing too hard <laughs> right now. No, I'm, trying, I'm not on I'm mute. Not to. I'm oh just God. like silent laughing. laughing. I feel like I was in some sort of vortex here. I'm like, I'm just seeing everyone <laughs> no. like dying laughing. I'm sorry. I'm actively listening, Joseph. Yes, oh my god! I'm sorry, I'm also listening. I just, no. I don't know why that goldfish comment made me laugh <laughs> so fucking hard. I deserve to be bullied. It was just, I think somehow the comment mixed with my own reaction just made it like yeah. it was just too much for me. I couldn't handle it. Anyway, okay. let's start I'm, fresh, Joseph. I'm gonna push through. The you movie reminded it. me of Annette. Put your back the, into uh, it. This other movie, uh, another one of my picks that went terrible. Because it's like, I've seen reviews recently, end of year reviews where people are like, and that's my favorite movie of the year. And I'm like, what is happening? And I, I tried to listen to some of this and what it is. And it's like, people actually connect with Adam Driver's character and really feel for his position in that movie. And that's, a, if you feel oh, yeah. for Keanu Reeves in this movie and are like, what if I was like tricked by some women into cheating with my wife, but I'm such a good family man, but they're just so hot and looking so young, right? And I'm like, I hate that that's the premise of this movie. Like the fear it's doing it. If you compare it to like a break-in movie where the fear is people are going to come to your house and break in and kill you or toy with you, like that German, is it German? Yeah. The funny games funny or games. strangers, yeah. you know, but this time it's, from a man it's like what is their fear of the stranger that breaks in well it's hot women who are here to this just feels like one step away from like false rape accusation apologists yeah. like that kind of shit you know like oh well we should we should believe the accused until they're proven guilty because like false rape accusations happen and thing. it can ruin a man's life like that it's one step away from that argument and i'm like we are skirting a very specific line of misogyny oh for sure that is that's... so beyond problematic yeah and that's what i'm saying that's what the actual fear if you think but that's what the movie is saying like it's not a satire 
they're genuinely saying Keanu Reeves is a good family man here and he's just been tempted by just these women that are too hot. Because at the beginning of the movie, I had this feeling it's like, because there's lines that give you this indication that maybe he's open to like, he's not, he's frustrated with his wife. You know, they hadn't had sex in three weeks. Maybe that's deserved. Maybe but I realized by the end of the movie, it's like, that was never a thing. He's just had a bad three weeks. And yeah. it's supposed to be saying, it's like, mm, you have a bad three weeks, some hot woman come to the door. And this is what happens. And it's like, it's not even like I a can't bad believe that's weeks. the movie. Like it, it seems like they were fine and happy. Yeah, <laughs> like it, it seems like the marriage is going good. She's it just, just seems been like really he got blue balled once, and yeah, then and then like, he's just like, I guess I'll just fuck people who are questionably aged. Yeah, but just like which is like a theme throughout the whole movie is like, yeah, I don't. You're right though. Like it's it's. I, I actually would not have connected it to Annette, but I'm glad that you did because like, like now I kind of see it where it's like. No one in this movie is like there's no objectively good person in this movie, but like it's so very clearly trying to make Keanu like somewhat sympathetic. And like in his defense, he is repeatedly sexually assaulted mm -hmm. yes. after at one point saying a no that meant a yes in the movie, which was already like a really strange thing to be using against him. But at some point, it's just like you get the feeling that this is Eli Roth's like love letter to like. See, guys, this is just what women want to do. Like, they'll come in and they'll take what they want and they'll trash everything. And it's like the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, I can't imagine watching this by myself, like as a casual movie watcher with like, like with my loved one or with like a friend. Yeah, it has big like red Deeply pill uncomfortable. energy. Well, erotic thrillers have that problem. They they're not watchable at any moment. Like they're yeah, weird and this one now. especially. But like this, this has big like red pill energy. Like if mm -hmm. Eli Roth yeah. feels like a director who's like really invested in the Joe Rogan experience. Like that's oh, his energy. Way and worse. He's, you know what I mean though. Like that's yeah, his it's energy, like, it's like, and he is ugh. actively marketing his films to a very toxic type of man that I think he just like is. Could you imagine being married to somebody who makes this movie and like not questioning whether those opinions mm -hmm. are leaking into your everyday life within yeah. your marriage? You know what I mean? Like, Even would you be then. sitting there being like, is the only reason you're not cheating because you're concerned about the Me Too movement and getting outed as like a fucking predator? Is that the only yeah. reason like our marriage has remained monogamous? And like, part, that's part the of energy. Part of me wants to leave the author dead and like, and just look at the movie as a movie. But like that's that's kind of why I go back to my thesis that he's just, just a pornographer. So self-insert. Well, that's what it that's just, what I mean. This though, feels so self-insert like, to me. It feels like his particular brand of pornography. Like it's like it's too close to home to separate. But even as a movie, like there there was multiple times where I'm just like the drama's like like the threat is real, but the drama is the way it escalates is artificial, and it and mm. it feels that way. So yeah. you're watching it, and you're like, at one point I pointed this out where I was like. At one point, someone comes in and would have discovered that Keanu was being held captive by these two nutjobs. And then he dies through, like, an accident uh, caused by the two ladies. And then the ladies take, I think, Keanu's phone and texts Keanu's wife that... No, no. They, they take Keanu's phone and text the guy who died's phone. Yeah. And frame... Keanu for murdering him but then also set up Keanu in a Rube Goldberg of like events where they then bury him alive with his head above ground where it's like impossible for to to see him as either a victim or a, an abuser because he is somewhere 
in this anomalous gray space where he's framed for being shitty, is shitty, is a victim. Like I don't know. It's like just all, he, yeah, he it's is, all over the place with that. Yeah, he's stuff. he's uh, he's Schrodinger's yeah. uh, like victim. It's strange. Well, and they they trashed the house to such a degree and wrote such weird shit on the walls that there isn't a world in which anybody's coming in there thinking like he definitely cheated willingly. Like it's so bizarre. And then trashed his house. Yeah. Yeah, he trashed his own house and wrote like really fucked up, hurtful, cruel third person things about his fam- him and his family on the walls. Yeah. And then buried himself to the neck up, like neck down. After like, killing a man. No yeah. nobody's buying that. Well no, they do make it clear that they're getting rid of the body. They talk about like some guy named Ricky that they work with that'll come and take care of the body and get rid of oh, it. Oh I miss that. That's although it doesn't help the plot though. I don't think the point was to frame him for murder of that guy. I think they were trying to make it seem like him and that guy got in a fight and he made the guy like dis he told the guy to disappear or he would kill him to explain this guy's disappearance um when they got rid of the body so i don't i don't think they were trying to frame him for murder specifically but if the body was ever discovered he would be the suspect uh, yeah but the point was to get rid of the body it's so convoluted though that it like it's gone yeah i know it's badly written yeah. because eli roth can't fucking write shit he, I said this, I said this earlier, the man remade his own shitty movie, he remade Cabin Fever, and made it worse. Like, he did a shot-for-shot shot remake of Cabin Fever, a movie that he made in, like, 2003, did a shot-for-shot shot remake of it, and it was worse by a lot. He unlearned Like, directing. a huge margin. Yeah. It's, it's wild how much worse that movie is. Yeah. And it's the same movie. Keanu Reeves in this is it's it's really showing his acting chops act. as being just it really proves just how bad yeah. an actor he is. It's yeah. it's very the sad, reason John honestly. Wick and like the Matrix work is because he has the least lines yeah. of literally any character in and either. And he does of those his own movies. stunts. Like it works because yeah. he does his own stunts, and he he's got to have a good price. That's the only way he's getting put in so many movies. Because like yeah, and he's, he's like, wooden. He's weird hot. <laughs> he's unusual hot. And that works in these in these specific movies. But like he has always been a fucking terrible actor. I need Bill to do Ted like a survey because it is bad. Like Bill and Ted is intentionally California surfer humor stupid and it works. It's super effective. Him and Alex Winter are great in it. But like every other fucking movie that he's done, he's been terrible in it. He's not a good at speed is bad. I need to conduct a quick survey. How many of us find Keanu attractive? I'm like 50-50. It's hard. Oh, like it certain depends. angles kind of thing? Yeah. I, yeah, I think it depends on the movie. I don't think he was attractive in Speed or Bram Stoker's Dracula, but I like do think fresh? he's attractive. I like him older. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like him from I like a seasoned Matrix Keanu. to this movie. I don't like him Matrix Resurrections from what I've seen, like trailers and whatnot. He's, hmm. That's a little over the hill for me. Too old? Yeah, and he looks even more like wooden. Like an older man. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't think yeah. I've ever found no him expression. to be attractive. I always thought he looked alien. Yeah, he's he's never. Yeah, he's weird. He's hot. never been like, yeah, he's never been like actively making me think of hotness. But it's like if I was given the opportunity in a room, I'd be like, oh, yeah, like, okay. Look, I also I also think Pete Davidson's hot. So, like, take what I say. with the I'm, I'm not going to roast you a, on that I'm today, but you are setting me varying. up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, we already have this conversation, so I figured I'd well, bring it back Well, people are around. now saying with Pete um, Davidson that he's people are like. He's not even like 
conventionally not hot. He's just totally within the hot category. And I'm like, Pete Davidson people, like, I understand he's the argument like Adam Driver. Adam Driver does look a bit weird, but is obviously crazy hot. Like, it's so stupid to be like, I couldn't even imagine what makes him hot. It's like, Adam he's Driver a is a butterface. He's a but, butterface, though. He's sh- neck down hot, sure. unless you like unusual attractiveness. I think his face is hot. I do. Honestly. I think I think yes, he's but he's unusual. Also a goblin. He's not conventionally attractive. So if you're talking conventional beauty standards, he's a fucking butterface. He's neck down hot. I think he's regular hot too, but like conventional beauty standards, he does not match. Pete Davidson is the same. He's neck down hot by conventional beauty standards. He is over six feet tall. He is fairly fit. Like he's lanky, but he has a six pack. He's got nice shoulders. He has shitty tattoos. That's the only detractor if you're not a shitty tattoo fan. But for Gen Z and millennials, like that's in no way is that a deal breaker. And oftentimes it's a plus depending on your taste in men. Man. By conventional beauty standards, he's a fucking butterface too. He's neck down hot. I, and then he gets unusual neck up. You guys would pathologize me to death if I said someone who I was attracted to. <laughs> oh my god, tell me. I can't me now because because, because I'm learning I about this. Fi- no, I might find him attractive. <clears throat> we'll bury that for now. Know, though. I'd put Keanu below a four. Mm. Personally. No. <laughs> uh, That's just yeah, except, except the thing is personality wise though he seems like a bro. He seems like someone. Oh, see who, the personality. Like, well, though. I think in that helps. No, I think the personality hurts. In real hurts. life, really, in real life, I find him so like sweet and charming. Oh, in real life, yeah, yeah. But his characters, his acting is so bad yeah, that it makes a, me he's sad. He's a terrible actor, but in real life, he's so charming. He seems so sweet and just like, like mm. gentle and chill and just like a even fun in real guy. life. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of the the ultra chill personality type. He just seems exactly that ultra chill and sweet, and I'm like mm, boring. Yeah, he's the kind of friend who who I'd be like pat on the head like you just keep doing that acting yeah. thing buddy you'll yeah. get it um <laughs> i just so badly want to know who you find attractive i'm sorry we are we are just like off the rails we have not talked about this movie well, yeah at the, all. the movie Way was the bad <laughs> we said all we wanted we to say about it do we recommend the movie no no around the it's, table it is hard no. honestly of almost every movie we've <laughs> watched w- in the show i just don't see anyone anyone for any reason wanting to watch it's like other ones i'm like i get that there's some people who are into that thing or whatever this one i'm just like there's no reason to watch it it's so i personally don't recommend anything by eli roth to literally anyone Hmm. hot take all of his stuff is fucking garbage even the stuff that's like passable is still just passable garbage we should watch that that kids movie he did just to know no house of the clock in its walls yeah, we should watch it just to know. Just as like hard pass. I want to. I want to. If 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 he's this. No, if I'm he's over this. It. If he's putting so much of himself out there creatively, like and and his projects well, feel okay, so intensely so here's personal. The thing. I want to see that. This movie. is not original though. This is an adaptation of a children's book. I for a moment I thought we were still talking about knock knock, and I was like, what the fuck? No. Well, oh my god. This, well, this <laughs> Which is also not original. <laughs> Also Wait, not Knock original, Knock is also but... a remake? Yeah. Yeah. It's a remake yeah, of a 1977 movie. Yeah. Fuck my entire ass. We should film. watch that. Called Death Game. I bet it's still terrible. Death Game. Ugh. It's probably Knock better. Knock Knock's a better name. I'll bad. give it I'll give them that much. Knock Knock is a better is a better name, yeah. Cuz that at least happens in the movie. <laughs> Death Game? Death Game. It's true. 
Look, it came out in the seventies. What do you want? Oh, it's it looks so yeah, much wish, better. Uh, the cover art for it. There's like a bronze monk, like straddling also, an hourglass, and he's holding out, knives. He, it looks so fucking good. I also want to point <clears> out <throat> if we do watch the house with a clock in its walls. Um, not only was it not written by like it's based on a novel, not written by Eli Roth. It wasn't even adapted by Eli Roth. He only directed yeah. it. The screenplay is by Eric Kripke. So, like, I don't think there's really, other than stylistic choices, there's not going to be we, anything we should watch, there that's, like, Eli Roth. We specific. should watch his first movie, his, his first directorial his directorial de- debut, and then that movie. Ooh, just to see, just to see the through line of his skill set. Just as a shit post. All right, hold on. Oh, also, you section. really got to look at the, the Wikipedia himself. cover for Death Game. It looks dope. So, okay, here's the thing. Here's the problem. His feature film directorial debut actually is Cabin Fever. So Yeah, we'll watch that. That means we would have to watch <laughs> Cabin Fever. Okay, never mind. The whole the plot, we had to throw the whole thing out now. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. I just, just saying. Fuck it. Like, that does mean we would have to watch Gavin toss the whole here. thing out um so there's that yeah it's not great not a not a great prospect and he has a tv movie that came out this year called finn eh. oh it's a documentary eh. no about eli roth and scientists going to look for sharks does so that he can blow them up into giblets like what is what's his interest in sharks oh, no. oh they they, oh, they no. bite holes in things and there's blood well, yeah, it's I'm a man. I'm a, I'm a uh, ghoul. Like, uh, aggressive animal. I only like gore. Um, but, but he's he's oh directing something it? that I think is going to make us sad. I I don't think he's capable of it. I think he'll find a way to um, flub it. The Borderlands movie for the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, directing the, the that is sad. I I do kind of like those games. But I, honestly, that seems like games, the right career path it was never for him. Make a good movie. Like I'm telling you right now, it was never going to make a good movie. No, that seems like the right career path. Like him and Uwe Boll are in the same category of like video game guys. I mean, isn't it Uwe Boll? Uwe. German. But you're right. Eli Roth is pretty much no higher than the level of like human centipede. Like that's his niche. That's where he should be. Probably him. It's not. It's not. It's Uwe Boll. I don't think it is. I think it it's is. It's Uwe. That's why I said it. I, I think it is. I don't know, but I have a strong okay, this suspicion is, this is, that this is definitely is Uwe transferred Bull. into four wines in. Everyone's like smoking a cigarette on the patio and a night talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've had too many drinks. Oh, sorry. I was wrong. It's Tom Six. It's Tom. I did know that because Tom Six is currently working on a movie that has something to do with female masturbation, but is also more disgusting than Human Centipede. But. I do love that the Human Centipede stars a man named Dieter Laser, and I will never get over the fact that that's his. I, I think name. I think the casting choice for oh my fucking god Michael Myers in Halloween two the casting choice for him oh the shape is really interesting. The guy's name is Dick okay, Warlock. We got it. I'm. Can we cut? Which, by the way, <laughs> is the hottest name. <laughs> that means that is the same. Dieter Laser, dude. Dick Dieter Laser is you meet him at the bar, he gives you a business card and you say, We're fucking because I know you can use that thing. (laughs) Dieter 
Dieter Laser is definitely the German version of yes. Dick Warlock. It is the German level of this hotness. This is where the Oscars is yes, Dick, Dick Warlock. Warlock. But both like of them sound like porno like names. Like... <laughs> I'm thinking like Price is Right music. <laughs> Just like increasing in volume until we shut up. Um, you can find us on Twitter at FansLabPod. <laughs> Joseph is not having it. <laughs> there's some other stuff. I forget. Yeah. Twitter. No, I, yeah. Podbean. Spotify. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to internet. get reviews. Tell us Google us. movie recommendations. Fans Labyrinth. And that's it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Goodbye. <laughs> Fucking unhinged. Bye. I've had, I've had.